please be aware that this podcast is intended for informational purposes only. The information on this podcast should not be used as a substitute to medical advice or medical treatment. As always, your primary care provider, a doctor, or another health professional is your best resource for specific questions and medical advice. If you believe you or a loved one are experiencing a medical emergency, please contact 911. All right, so today I'm talking to a Ontario or a former Ontario midwife. Um, if you just want to introduce yourself briefly. Yeah, hi, my name's Kim Farrell. Um, and yep, I'm a former midwife here in Ontario. I retired in the last year um, to kind of focus on my family. I have three young kids who are 8, 10, and 12, um, and we live just outside of Ottawa. So I'm just going to uh, basically ask you a couple of questions which you're familiar with. Um, so the first one, just to start off, since you're a midwife, what got you interested in uh, pursuing this profession? So uh, my very first exposure to birth was my big sister's birth. Uh, she's seven years older than me. Uh, mm -hmm. got pregnant with my nephew and invited me to be there for the birth of her son, which was incredible. So nice. Yeah, that's so nice. It was so, nice. so amazing. I was in nursing school at the time in my, uh, just heading into my final year of my Bachelor of Science in Nursing. And uh, we went up, they were living in Ottawa, we were living in Southern Ontario. So we heard that she was going to be induced. We all piled in the car and drove <laughs> up. Um, and we were kind of in and out throughout the day. And then once she kind of started pushing, she invited me to there for that process. Um, mm -hmm. Got to see my nephew come into the world. And so cool. It was the first birth I'd ever been to. It was just wild and just so amazing and incredible and it just kind of gave me this like oh what's this birth thing <laughs> um i also it it was also i got to see how women could be treated in the hospital right um so while it was an incredible experience uh, to be there i also had a lot of well, why are they doing this? Why aren't they explaining what they're doing? Why are they talking to her that way? A lot of questions like that. Yeah. Um, so I got pregnant with my daughter a couple of months later with my first and had been doing a bit of research and came across midwives. So what's a midwife? And did a bit more research and said, <laughs> oh, you know, they're covered by OHIP. Uh, I'm going to contact these people. So I picked up the phone and I... I said you know here's my date they said you've got a wife and and that was that um i went on to have all three of my kids at home the care of midwives who were fabulous and uh when it came time to think about you know going back to into the workplace i i couldn't think of anything i wanted to do other than become a midwife uh, so i applied for the program and that was that that's so exciting. So, and you were almost done your nursing degree before you made this decision? Well, I finished my nursing degree, so I was pregnant <laughs> through my last year of school. Uh, You're a trooper. Was, uh, <laughs> I was a trooper. I gave birth a week after I wrote 
the national exam or the wow. Ontario exam. I can't remember which one. Yeah. Uh, everybody in the exam room was looking at me like, are you, are you going to go into labor now? <laughs> um, I, I did that and finished that and then had the kids and they're all kind of two years apart um, and then went back to do my Bachelor of Health Science in midwifery. So normally, and correct me if I'm wrong, it is a four-year program, correct? In yes, Ontario? it is okay. a four-year Bachelor of Health Science. Yeah. Yeah. And um, do you guys do like clinical placements? Is it similar so to nursing? Many. <laughs> so many clinical placements. <laughs> uh, we do way more hours of clinical placements than in nursing. Um, and they're all very specialized. So the first kind of year and a half of the midwifery education program is all in class mm-hmm. uh, doing, you know, physiology, pharmacology, uh, women's studies, uh, you know, learning about kind of the history of midwifery around the world and in Canada, um, kind of like these big deep dives into all these uh, subjects. Right. And then beginning in the second half of the second year, you begin your clinical placements. And from then on out, it is all clinical. So it's two and a half years of clinical education. Um it's a four-month uh, placement. It's the first placement, and that's kind of your first exposure to midwifery, where you actually follow a midwife, you have a pager, and you're, you're kind of shadowing them, and as the semester goes on, doing more and more and more. Right. Um, following that, you get a little break, and then in third year, we do a bunch of interprofessional placements. Okay. Um, so that's that includes following... Uh, labor and delivery nurses, postpartum nurses, an obstetrician for a whole month. Wow. Uh, like, so shadowing them, going to surgeries, like, you know, holding retractors, watching hysterectomies, doing their clinic with them, attending births. That sounds uh, so interesting. I wish they did that oh, in nursing school. <laughs> right? It's so cool. It's so cool. Um, and, it, and it means that the physicians who are doing this understand midwifery right like they, yes they know they have a little bit of a part to play in our education and they feel good about that so I did a placement with a children's aid society for a couple oh. of weeks I did mm-hmm. a placement with a lactation consultant uh, so it's just kind of you know luck of the draw and all these kind of varied uh, interprofessional placements to kind of get your eyes on what other people are doing in in the land of birth so yeah that we're not in this big silo right yeah no that's great yeah. that's so nice oh, to hear that incredible. yeah that that's happening um here in education yeah. like th- I hope that nursing programs learn something from that because I find that nursing is like becoming perpetually siloed in many ways it frustrates me so much when people don't appreciate the depth of knowledge that nurses have and the experience they bring to the table like the, the nurses let's get serious the nurses run the hospital um oh yeah in many ways everything would fall apart yeah Yeah, they they are definitely the glue of the hospital on many units (laughs) and even outside the hospital too i think that's the overlooked part is that we also have roles outside the hospital talking about roles as a midwife what what is your role there's a lot of confusion around this like I had a doula on recently and she was saying like people really don't understand what the role of a doula is 
And I find the same thing with a midwife, especially as someone who had a midwife for um, my obstetrical care. Like, I found when I told people that, they were like, well, do you still have an OB? And that, it, you know, it was such a complicated thing to explain. So if you want to just talk a little bit about your role, I know you can't go into every detail because it's obviously very complex, but mm. more so that people get an idea of how much midwives can do and kind of what their role actually is. Um, I do want to be clear that I am not currently a midwife. Um, yes. So I'm talking. Yeah, former. Talking from a, your former a, role. Yes, former former yeah. midwife, exactly. Um, a midwife is a autonomous primary health care provider who provides care uh, during pregnancy, throughout labor and postpartum, and the first six weeks postpartum uh, for mom and baby. We, they, are, um, <laughs> we're healthcare practitioners, right? Um, yes. They're responsible for the clinical well-being of their clients and the client's baby. They do provide a significant amount of emotional support um, and prenatal education and all of that stuff. But ultimately, when it comes down to it, they're there to fulfill the, the clinical role of the obstetric care provider. Um, and midwives are really, really, really the experts on normal. Um, the education process for midwife is essentially four years of this is what normal looks like and training them how to provide care throughout normal situations, throughout variations of normal that we may not see as often, but are still considered normal. Mm -hmm. And then recognizing when something has become abnormal and getting the right person involved at that point. Right. Um, and I think that's a really big piece of what midwives do, right? Yes, we are the experts in normal normal pregnancy, normal labor and birth, normal postpartum, so tuned with what normal is, we are very quick to see when something abnormal. is not exactly, when something is kind of coming up to abnormal, you know, we're, they're keeping a really close eye on things and the moment something is abnormal, it's not really appropriate for them to continue to provide care in certain situations and, you know, they are gonna they're gonna get somebody else on board yeah I noticed that a lot like I had a very normal pregnancy as my midwives told me um nice. or boring I think they called it boring because I didn't <laughs> have anything going on but um even when like I remember one morning I went in and I was kind of dehydrated because it was like 8 30 that I had my appointment so I hadn't had very much water so mm -hmm. um Maggie was like moving so much in my abdomen and her heart rate was going up a lot and they caught that like right away and then you know next thing I was on the monitor and then she she kept me on it for like the certain amount of time that she had to do it and then she's like you know what I still don't feel like a hundred percent I'm gonna send you in to do it at the hospital and then I went in and met my other midwife at the hospital she did the same thing and mm -hmm you know, everything ended up being fine and we kind of determined, oh, it's, you know, you had more water and then she calmed down. Uh, yeah, but yeah. they were so on top of it. Like, I never felt like I had to worry about myself or my pregnancy. Like, I was very relaxed in pregnancy because I mm. saw them so often and they were just so on top of my care. When you know you can reach them, right? Yes. Kind of at any time, right? Which I think is is a huge thing that midwifery has going for it huge um, huge it, 
it, just being able to punch in a pager number and talk to your healthcare provider, even if it's not your midwife, you know it's a midwife. Yeah. And you know you're getting the information right from them. You're not going through any middlemen. It's uh, it's such a wonderful, wonderful way to experience pregnancy because you know you can call. Um, and I think for some people, just knowing they can call prevents them from calling. Oh, 100%. Right? Yeah. Like just knowing that, no, if I actually need them, they're there. But I think this can probably wait. And, you know, some of that is us doing... <laughs> a lot of education about when it's appropriate to page yes um we did a lot of that (laughs) yes yeah yeah that was yeah that was definitely one of the selling factors for me pursuing midwifery care um was that like I knew that they were like always available and yeah that's so comforting especially for people who worry like I'm a a little bit of a worrier when it comes to health so (laughs) definitely a huge almost everybody worries especially in their first pregnancy right yes people who aren't worriers are gonna worry and it's you know I always told my clients that when it's your first baby every day that you're pregnant is the longest you've ever been pregnant yeah that's true (laughs) right so you just every day is new and you don't know what to expect and it's normal to you know be worried and be anxious and wonder what's going to happen and that's that's just the way it's going to be with your first baby yeah is that different in second pregnancy (laughs) absolutely good to know (laughs) yeah there's there are still people who are are anxious right and of course pregnancies yeah but most people are much more comfortable they know what to expect they know how their body's going to change it happens earlier yeah. Um, so those changes in pregnancy <laughs> happen earlier. The discomforts of pregnancy happen a little earlier often. Yay. Uh, but, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, not so great. But you know what to expect, right? You know, you know what kind of tests are going to be offered. You know kind yeah. of what the milestones are. People, in my experience, are generally much more comfortable the second time around and so much more comfortable with a newborn once their baby's born. Oh, yeah. The difference between watching someone hold their first baby for the first time oh I've seen that so many times <laughs> yeah yeah it's uh it's it's really fun talking again about your role just would you say there's one thing that people misunderstand about your role or your previous role frequently like was there one thing that you found people often had misconceptions about so there's a few things I think that people often had misconceptions about. The first one was that midwives only do home birth. Um, yes. I heard that a lot. Like, oh, so you, do you only deliver babies at home? No, 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 no. <laughs> this is Ontario. This is Canada. Uh, midwives are an integrated member of the healthcare team. They have yes. admitting privileges at their hospitals. So yeah, midwives do a lot of birth in hospital. Most of the midwifery births that occur in Ontario are in hospital. Yeah. Um, so that's a big, a big misconception. Um, I have lost track of the number of times that I've been asked if I'm a doula. Um, <laughs> I have the utmost respect for doulas. They are incredible. Their role is so crucial. Absolutely. But, and there is some overlap for sure. But uh, no, like midwives are primary healthcare professionals. Yeah, so that, that's a question that I got a lot. I think there's a bit of a bias for people believing that all midwives all the time 
want their clients to have an unmedicated birth. Yeah, I I've read that. I don't that. love the word natural birth. No, me because, neither. Like, what does that even mean? Um, but an unmedicated vaginal birth. Uh, and that's just simply not true, right? Do midwives love attending unmedicated births? Of course. Of course. Do we love attending epidural births? Yes. <laughs> exactly. Um, you know, if, you, if you're really supporting choice and supporting, you know, clients' choices in their health, then you're supporting their choice to have pain management and whatever pain management that they want. Yeah, it's not, it's not an either or. No, uh, which I think is is a big thing that everybody needs to promote. Like we're there for you, you know, whatever you want your birth to look like, we want your birth to look like. Yeah, you're there to support the comfort of the yes. laboring parent, right? And yeah. that could mean no pain medication for some people, or it could mean pain medication for other people. It could exactly. mean a home birth. It could mean a hospital birth. Everything yeah. is going to be different depending on the person. I said to people all the time, the only thing that's predictable about labor and birth is that it's unpredictable. You might want X, Y, and Z, and you might get, you know, LMNOP. It's, yeah. <laughs> you know, there's no, there's no guarantees it, with anything when it comes to labor and birth. You know, I've seen people who absolutely will never give birth at home have a home birth. Uh, and I've seen people who absolutely were never setting foot in a hospital beg for an epidural at three or four centimeters. Yeah. It's, you know, you can't, you can never know how you're going to respond to the sensations of labor until you're doing it. No, exactly. It's, n yeah. it's not always what you imagine. Um, no. And yeah, exactly. Like you said, like, it, the situation can change so quickly when you actually start experiencing it and I there's nothing wrong with changing your plan no. what would you say are the key benefits of like having a midwife for like a laboring mother or their families mm -hmm. I think um like specifically for labor and birth mm -hmm. I think uh, you know, midwives are one-on-one -on -one with their clients and their, you know, clients' families. We're not generally looking after more than one person in labor. Um, yeah. It happens on occasion, but it's <laughs> not common. <laughs> and normally we're calling somebody else to please come. Yes. Um, so you get that one-on-one that -on -one kind of undivided attention from your midwife who, you know, midwifery clinics all work kind of in different ways and have different call schedules but the thing they have in common is that they all really want to be there for your birth too <laughs> um so if they're not there if your specific midwife or midwives aren't there it's because you know they're at somebody else's birth or you know they're taking their one weekend off call you know that month or they're on vacation which is much needed yes um, but you will have a midwife there and hopefully it will be one that you've met before. I know that our practice tried really hard to make that happen for people. If we knew their midwife would be off or was going off call, we'd make sure that they were meeting, you know, the person who was covering the pager so that they would have a, you know, familiar face there. Yeah. Just one familiar face is nice. Yeah, it is. It's so comforting. Mm -hmm. And 
you know, most of the people who work in a practice group are going to practice in similar ways, are going to be yeah. talking about interventions in similar ways. You're getting, you're getting the same care. Um, so I think that's one huge thing is that when you a- arrive at the place that you're going to give birth or, you know, your, your midwife arrives at your home, that you, you know them. Yes. And that if you don't know them, you at least know the style of care that you're yeah. going to receive. It's not a complete stranger. That's what I always say to people is my favorite, was my favorite part about the care is that I got to the hospital and it was someone I knew and that like eases so much uh, first time mom, especially anxiety about labor. Yeah. Yeah. It's so, it's just nice to not have to tell (laughs) your whole story every time you meet somebody, every time they walk into the room, right? It's that's a good point. I can't even, I can't, I literally can't imagine having to do that while in no (laughs) no how difficult that would be to ah no thank you um (laughs) so yeah I think I think that's huge and um I think it's also kind of really crucial that the person who's there when your baby's born is also the one providing your postpartum care especially in the first yes yes that happened for me even if it's not yeah so even if it's not that midwife who was there, that midwife, when they're talking to the other midwife who's going to be seeing you, is going to be telling them what happened, mm-hmm. right? They're going to have those bits and pieces of the story that your GP might not if you're seeing them, you know, at oh, yes. four or five days postpartum. <laughs> um, and I think I think that's really huge for people just to know that, you know what, I know that they're they're telling my story and that the person who's coming to see me at 24 hours of my baby's age when I haven't slept at all and I haven't showered in days <laughs> yeah. and we're all crying yep. is going to be sympathetic and and know, you know, what's happened to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's primary care providers are just, as someone who works in family practice, we rarely get the discharge papers You're in time. get it on time. No. no, especially, and no, like I love OBs, but it takes them longer to do their paperwork a lot of the time because <laughs> they're busy. Of course, like they've got the volume, yeah. Yeah, like think how many b- babies they deliver in one night. Um, yes. so I understand, but you know when they book their appointment for twenty four hours, we have no information, and the parents yeah. don't remember half the time. Like no, they don't know. Yet. Yeah, <laughs> they don't know. They've got so much oxytocin in their system, they can't yeah. even form memories, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, and I think that's. I think that's something we don't think about often. No. We're going to take it for granted in the midwifery world, but uh, I think it's I think it's a big thing. What was your favorite part of being a midwife? I love that question. Um, <laughs> and it's so hard to pick, but it's it's kind of a two-parter. I kind of have a favorite part of like pregnancy care, labor and birth, yeah. and postpartum care. Yeah. Um, in pregnancy, my very, 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 very favorite thing that I could do all day, every day, and never get sick of it, is watch a parent's face the first time they hear their baby's heartbeat. Heartbeat, the yeah. The number of times I've welled up in appointments, just watching their face or their partner's face or their older kid's face, just be like, what, what? That's what it sounds like. It's just... Like, I get goosebumps thinking about it. It's magic every time. I could do it all day. <laughs> it's so um, beautiful. <laughs> oh, it's just amazing. 
and uh so yeah that's definitely like one of the coolest things and it mm-hmm. happens so early <laughs> but, yeah <laughs> uh, yeah but I feel like it's a bit of a bonding experience right like I, yeah. you know I was there when you heard your baby for the first time and hopefully I'm gonna be there when you touch your baby for the first time yeah it's super um, cool so that's definitely like my favorite thing about prenatal care I also feel like it's incredible to watch the transformation of people who are are getting like good you know, well-informed information throughout their care mm-hmm. transform from being like scared and nervous and worried and unsure and I don't know what to do like how do I make this decision going from that to you know by the end of their pregnancy feeling pretty confident confident about yeah yeah, like making those decisions and hopefully if the midwife has done their job well has demystified you know some of the labor and birth stuff and Mm -hmm. normalized it to the point where people aren't scared anymore most people come into their first appointment scared oh yeah they've heard horror stories from their friends and family all they've heard is that it's it's hard and horrible and hurts and because that's all anyone ever tells you for some reason tells the beautiful stories (laughs) no so I think I I really enjoyed doing that so like giving people enough information throughout their pregnancy and you know being patient with their questions and Mm -hmm. answering them and giving them resources so that they by the end of their pregnancy are excited to meet their baby and excited for labor to start and hopefully like apprehensive of course um, yeah but hopefully not scared anymore like it's just it's uh, nobody needs to go into that terrified nobody in in labor in birth uh i think my favorite thing ever is when someone's pushing Mm -hmm. and we often offer for them to touch their baby's head i did that some people oh some people will do it just instinctually yeah many people won't and many people when we suggested are like oh no um but when people they they get like this look like i can do that of course it's your baby it's your body and often we kind of help guide their hand uh to where it needs to be in the look on people's faces when they feel because your baby has to be pretty close to the outside for you to feel it yourself yes um so to to watch their face light up with this oh my gosh that's my baby's head that's how close i am i can do this and it's just every single time i have seen people do that they like the next push is just like the strongest one we've ever seen because they, they know that they've been doing all this hard work and it feels like nothing's happening. Yeah, <laughs> it's so motivating. Realize, oh, so motivating. So yeah, I love that. Um, and also I love watching partners look at, at the birthing parent mm-hmm. after the birth and like with, you know, they've got the baby skin to skin, hopefully. Um, and just watching the partners like look of awe yes. afterward is so uh it's just it's just amazing yeah watching dads cry is great <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's my husband didn't cry but he he had taken like pictures of me that I didn't notice because like 
like after oh. the birth of me holding yes. the baby the first time and he sent oh. them to me like a couple weeks later and I was like I had no idea you were oh taking these and he's like oh you just I you know he said some sweet things about no, you know how amazing I was and stuff like that and you're like <laughs> what <laughs> too early well, wait exactly. to say this <laughs> it's 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 a powerful process and you never know how people are going to react and I think as as much as you know the birthing parents are are given this narrative of oh it's going to be hard and scary and painful their partners too are hearing all this messaging yeah and and it's they're they're scared you know they that's are their loved one and they don't mm-hmm. want them to be in pain and so I think to like for those people who are there for it it is like a truly transformative experience for them as well because they've just mm-hmm. watched you know the love of their life go through this amazing thing and now there's a baby and oh my gosh you know and yeah yeah and that was watching people become a family Mm-hmm. That was one of my favorite parts of birth was like, not that I was like watching with as like <laughs> as easily as a midwife yep, can yeah, watch yeah. someone because <laughs> I was in labor. Yes. Um, but yep. my husband did so much for me. Like just yeah. when I think back or in the moment, he was like with me the entire time. He did my counter pressure. Oh, he like walked around nice. with me, got my water, like held my hand like the only moment he wasn't with me is like if he ran to the bathroom quickly or yeah. uh when I got my epidural placed he had to leave but yeah. like every other moment he was there and it it was just like amazing to see him rise to the occasion I guess because yeah. you and don't know how they're gonna react do. yeah no, but like most like the easily the majority of partners are so incredible during labor yeah it's very yeah, like you said, it's it's like it, you're be, you're becoming a family in that moment. So it's yeah. it's like a transition you get to watch. So that's kind of cool. Yeah. Oh, it's so cool. And it's it's similar in the postpartum, right? So my favorite thing about postpartum is watching people go from that first day, right, putting their baby in their first outfit and like yeah. you know, so tenderly to a couple of weeks later, you know, they're still much more, you know, gentle and slow than if it was you know their fourth baby yes um but the confidence that they gain in those first couple of weeks um the bond they make with their baby so quickly you know once feeding is well established and we've kind of outgrown that first week of confusion and discomfort Uh and you know sometimes that lasts a little longer um but often you know within the first week we're we're kind of getting on track yeah watching people kind of grow into those roles um as parents and and you know, building that confidence is, is just a beautiful, a beautiful thing to witness. It really, like, it, and like, and I say this as a laboring mother, but it, like, it, it was for us t- too. Like, it was mm. beautiful to go through. So I can imagine yeah. what it's like to be the care provider as well. Oh. So are there any situations where you would recommend, like, a mother shouldn't see a midwife like I know obviously high risk pregnancies in those situations can a midwife still play a role so yes and no um so they're currently in Ontario um I think I think it's it's changing but I'm not sure when there's actually like a list of conditions 
that mm-hmm. midwives are not allowed to care for. Um, so things that are kind of out of the scope of midwifery care, things that are in scope. It also depends on where you're practicing, what hospital you're practicing at, because certain things that are in the scope of midwifery care. Protocol um, at the hospital and everything exactly, as well. Protocol mm-hmm. at the hospital will, you know, affect. So, you know, midwives can look after people with epidurals. They can administer oxytocin. They can now order oxytocin. Yes, I um, had that. But the mine did order mine yeah. for me and manage my whole care that's, which I was surprised by I thought oh that's yeah. wonderful yeah, yeah it was lovely um but it, that is, that's not everywhere so yes. there are still you know plenty of places in Ontario where a midwife has to transfer care if a client opts for an epidural um has to transfer care for an induction of labor or if, if they need an you know some oxytocin during the labor to augment it so you know those things are are times where we have to kind of abide by hospital protocol um, right of course high-risk pregnancies are really just super not appropriate for midwifery care like i said earlier they are you know the experts of normal a high-risk pregnancy is not normal um, and we, we just simply don't have the medical expertise, right? Um, midwives are not physicians. Uh, no. So, you know, that's really not appropriate. There are lots of things that can come up in the course of a pregnancy that might lead a midwife to consult with an obstetrician. So, yeah. for example, gestational diabetes. Yeah, that was the right. one I was thinking of when I wrote that question. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so again, kind of depends on, you know, the location, but caring for people with gestational diabetes is absolutely within the scope of midwifery care. Mm -hmm. That said, that it will involve generally a consult with an obstetrician or, uh, you know, like a specialist who specializes in... Yeah, like an endocrinologist or... Yeah, exactly. Um, And that that kind of process will depend on, on where you are. Um, but the OB, so in, in where I was practicing, you know, we would send the client to the hospital to see the OB. Um, they would talk to them about it. They would set up some ultrasounds for later on in the pregnancy. They'd talk about, um, you know, they, we'd, they'd then go see a nutritionist or, you know, a, a nurse who was specialized in kind of dietary stuff, talk to them about the gestational diabetes diet. Um, and then kind of send them on their way with a prescription for a glucometer and the mm-hmm. you know the, the glucometer strips and yeah. then they'd come back to our care and we would often they'd have a follow-up after a couple weeks with that clinic to you know hand them their blood sugars and make sure that everything was on track yeah but so long as everything was on track that was that you know they'd have their ultrasounds booked you know by the OBs but of course midwives can also order ultrasounds so you know simple gestational diabetes for sure if that client then goes on insulin at some point in their pregnancy it becomes um, complex now exactly that's now complex care that's now high risk that is a full transfer of care meaning that the obstetrician is now in charge Mm -hmm. so midwives can stay on in a supportive role when there's a transfer of care during the pregnancy or of course during labor and birth yeah um but it's in a supportive role so if i have transferred care to the obstetrician i am no longer the primary care provider the obstetrician is then you know making making those clinical decisions mm-hmm. um, but often we still see clients or the midwife will see the client um, often a bit of a reduced amount because 
the client doesn't want to see they don't want a million appointments yeah (laughs) no nobody needs that um so often they'll they'll go and see their midwife um kind of for those informed choice discussions that take place throughout care um just to get a little bit more information you know to to learn about what's going to happen postpartum because often things that come up in pregnancy resolve in the postpartum yeah and clients care is transferred back to the midwife so we still want to keep in touch because you know the chances are good that they're still going to be involved in your care once your baby's born. If things become high risk and there's a transfer of care early in pregnancy, um, sometimes it really doesn't make sense for the midwife to stay involved because you're kind of duplicating services through OHIP. Yeah. OHIP really does not like that. They don't like that, no. <laughs> they don't like that. And it, I mean, it, it, it doesn't really make sense if no. we identify something in the first trimester that's going to make you high risk. It, it doesn't, it, it's not really appropriate for us to, you know, continue to follow people. I have a question about, yeah. so twin pregnancy is usually considered yes. high risk. <laughs> uh, do you guys ever do twins or? Essentially uncomplicated twins is within mm-hmm. the scope of midwifery care. Um, so there are a few different kinds of twins that can be diagnosed by early ultrasound. Mm-hmm. Um Twins that share an amniotic sac. The sac, yeah. Exactly, are more high risk because they're in there together. They can get tangled up together. They're yeah. sharing a placenta. Um, that is a little bit more of a high risk situation. Those babies are going to need to be monitored more closely. Um, and often they're looking at inducing those pregnancies early or yeah, experience yeah. like preterm. Um, you know, a, a diamniotic, dichorionic pregnancy where each baby has their own placenta and their own sac, um, much less complicated, mm-hmm. um, but still requires ongoing monitoring. Um, but again, if both babies are head down at term, you know, and all the monitoring has been normal, that's, that is absolutely within the scope of midwifery. I, at our, so the hospital that I practiced at, it was a transfer of care, regardless of the kind of twin pregnancy. But we would, for twins, uh, normally you don't go see an OB until kind of later on in the pregnancy. Yeah. Um, so often, yeah, so often the midwife would actually care for them until kind of 20, 24 weeks. Yeah. And then would continue to care for them in tandem with the OB, kind of doing like one OB visit, one midwifery visit. Okay. Um, because for people having twins, having that support at home of the midwife is... Oh, like huge. Really, <laughs> right? Really big. Um, so, you know, I think that's that's one of those cases where... You know, if the midwife can stay involved and take over care in the postpartum, uh, you know, that's a, that's a huge, you know, a huge thing for people. Yeah, being able to do home yeah, visits for twins postpartum oh, would be yeah. <laughs> uh, very important, I'm sure. Right? <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Talking about your experiences, is there one mm. birth you attended or baby you caught that is like the most memorable to you? Like you'll never ever forget. I'm sure there's lots, but <laughs> oh, there's so many. There's so so many. Um, I've been thinking about this question all day. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's a, it's a hard me. one. It's a hard one. It is a hard one. There are honestly like so many. Like incredible births, you of know, course. that I have been to, and 
you know, you don't like to think about it when you're in school, but eventually, like, they do kind of start to blur together <laughs> once you've been just enough. Yeah. Right? You think you think as a client, right, and as a new midwifery student, like, oh, you know, how could they ever forget your name? Like, you know, <laughs> you're they're etched in your mind. I know I thought like that as a client. Like, I'm etched in my midwife's mind for the rest of eternity. Um, uh. <laughs> and then after working for a few years, I would I would meet people in Costco. And they'd be like, oh, Kim, you delivered my baby. And I'd be like, oh, no. <laughs> like deer in headlights trying to like rack my brain for their names. So it's, it's, it's sometimes hard to tease apart what happened at one birth and what happened at another. Um, often the, the quick births are the ones that stick out in your head the most, I think, because there's fewer details. Yeah, fair um, enough. <laughs> yeah. So I do remember, and it's... It's one of the ones that like still makes me kind of giggle when I think about this one. Um, I, it was it was not a first baby, um, and the client had wanted to have a, a water birth with her with the ba- the previous baby, mm-hmm. and so she was planning a birth center birth in Ottawa. We have a fabulous, beautiful birth center with these massive jacuzzi tubs. Oh, um, that, that sounds are amazing! Perfect for water birth. Oh, so lovely. Um, so she called in the previous birth had been pretty quick. So we were anticipating another quick birth. So I called the birth center. We could get them to start filling up the tub if we were convinced that the person was in labor. Um, mm. So we said, you know, start filling the tub. She really wants a water birth. And I got there before her and set up everything. Like everything was ready. Um, I think, I think I, no, was I, I think I was a senior student at the time. So it was me and my preceptor there. Mm-hmm. And at that point I was senior enough that I could be the second midwife. So there was already two of us there and we didn't have to call her back up. And she (laughs) walked in, (laughs) tearing her clothes off, uh, walking in the room. She like had a huge contraction. We listened to the baby's heart rate, did some documentation. We're trying to do her vitals. And she (laughs) lifted her leg to climb into the pool and (gasps) the baby was born. (laughs) Oh, I knew that was where that was going. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I had my gloves on, thank goodness. And, uh, you know, we were helping her into the tub. Because, you know, when you're 41 weeks pregnant, you're... Yeah, you're not... climbing get around. Exactly. Uh, yes, I was almost 41 weeks pregnant, just a day shy. So yeah. I very well know that. Yeah, it's, uh, it's not a time that you can really be graceful. Um, no. So we were again, <laughs> and, you know, you can... Once you've been to enough birds, you know the sounds that people make when they push. So you can, yes. you can, you know they're pushing before they do almost. Um, and we, I heard it, and I was like, "Oh no!" <laughs> I just got my hands there right in time, and put her <laughs> baby up on her chest, and she was like, "Ugh!" <laughs> I can't believe it. And she was so mad. <laughs> like, well, she was I mean, glad that her baby was born. She was yeah. like, "I was so close." Um, <laughs> So we actually, uh, we delivered the placenta and then she got in the water with her baby afterward, Aww, that's um, nice. which was kind of wonderful because the water's yeah. all clean then. Yeah. Um, and they stayed in there for like, I think an hour or something like that. That's kind of um, nice, it was, actually. <laughs> it was, it was. And, you know, after, after that birth, we actually suggested it to a couple of people. Like, if you don't want to give birth in the water, you can get out, have your baby, and then get back in. Like, as long as the water's warm enough, there's no reason not to. I was going to say, that sounds lovely. Like, now I'm going to be thinking about that for next time. Like, <laughs> I know. Have a nice little bath after. 
Yeah. Oh, that is definitely yeah, that memorable. Was one of my favorites. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was so. And we were like everybody was laughing, and she was laughing. And, yeah, oh it my was, god! It was yeah. And in terms of your favorite type of care, like you seem to like pretty much every part of the care you provided mm-hmm. as a midwife, prenatal, labor, postpartum. But was there one that you like really loved? specifically i mean there's there's parts of all of the parts that are amazing and there's parts of all the parts that aren't you know that aren't your favorite thing to do Mm -hmm. um of course so like for labor and birth of course it's amazing um but also you know your midwives are people they get tired (laughs) of course Um, you know so so sometimes if it's been like a really long week and there's been a run of births and the pager goes off, you know, it's just like, I just wish, you know, I could sleep tonight. Um, <laughs> you know, and so it's not, I wouldn't say that I had a favorite thing to do um, so much as I was grateful that there was a variety of, you know, tasks to be done for every client. And it wasn't just the exact same thing all of the time. Yeah, and um, I think that's why you know, people that... like birth work, sorry to interrupt you, but just yeah, thinking no. back to something a doctor said to me once is that he loved, and he's a he's a family physician, but he was saying he loved right. when he did OB as well because it was mm. always different. Yeah. So, you know, the kind of the magic of midwifery is that you get to see people from, you know, being six weeks pregnant, listening to their baby for the first time, to being there to catch their baby and then see them, you know through the first six weeks postpartum and it's you know everybody's journey is different and you know we might have to talk about the same things you know for every person but that conversation is going to look different for every person who's in the office and the postpartum is going to look different and um like it just it it kept it kept things fresh thanks for listening to the elephant in the womb podcast If you like this podcast, make sure to show us some love, whatever way you can. Like, comment, and subscribe. You can also visit the website at www.elephantinthewomb.ca and subscribe to the blog email list for blog and podcast updates.